conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversations you would have on a red-eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop in your mind and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. Today we got a few topics, but let's kick it off with the Super Bowl, bro, which was a very tight game, very high intensity from beginning to end. Um, How'd you feel? Did it live up to expectations? I mean, this was a uh, incredible, incredible Super Bowl. I think going into the game, like in our conversation last week, we kind of predicted that it would be the case. We knew that these were two of the best teams all season. They displayed it not just on the field with the players, but also the coaching strategy. I mean, Andy Reid obviously has a history of being one of the best and most masterful game planners um, in the history of the game. But then also having Nick Sirianni come in and and in his first couple of seasons show showcase it as well. Like it was a really really well played chess game, um, and that that was what was amazing about it was it gave all everything that you wanted back and forth slugfest. And then at the end of the day, like what I said last week, when you took teams this competitive, it always comes down to that special play there. Whether it's Michael Jordan, you know, whether it's um, Tom Brady, and, and now we have a, a Michael Jordan of the NFL and, and Patrick Mahomes. He truly is that, you know, and, and he showed that, like, in a game that was even, he was the difference between the team that won and the team that lost. Yeah, definitely, even on a bum ankle, which is which is nuts. And, you know, I, I think it's like there's a lot of controversy about that, um, that pass interference call near the end, and I think uh, I really appreciated the Eagles response to that and Jalen Hurts response to that, which was like, Hey, we take accountability for how the outcome is like, there's never, there's never one flag. There's never one penalty or one moment that, you know, we're going to blame as that loss is the game. Like it's about everything that we brought into the game, all the prep we did. And, you know, that accountability side of it, I think earned a lot of my respect. Like Jalen Hurts, just watching him play, I mean, I think he's phenomenal. I thought the Eagles were phenomenal this year. So it was definitely like a bummer to see them come up short at the end. But I mean, at the end of the day, like you can't ask for anything more out of a game like this. No, you can't. You can't. I mean, it was just, you know, that's what you want on the final game. We've had some like, you know, yeah, real bad <laughs> some bad, some bad Super Bowls. And the last couple have been pretty good. I mean, going even back, going back to last time Kansas City played against Tampa Bay, that was a terrible Super Bowl that Tampa Bay just dominated from beginning to end. Um, and, and that's really like, this is like, it's such a parallel to life, right? Like you look at that team um, two years ago in Kansas City. They had more skill position talent. They had Tyreek Hill. They had Travis Kelsey. And they had a, a strong running game in those years. Um, but the reality was because they invested so much on, on in skill position, the offensive line was not good. And Kansas City, to their credit as an organization, recognized that 
revamped the entire team to build a strong offensive line. They recognized the problem, fixed the problem, obviously lost in the AFC Championship to Cincinnati last year, but that's what they did. And in this year, when they played a great defense like the Eagles again, the offensive line was much stronger. They traded away Tyreek Hill, knowing that by having Patrick Mahomes that they could replace that through other means, and the offense actually got better, but it all resulted from the offensive line and the defensive line being better. And that's the funny thing about football. And, you know, Zach and I talk about this, and you and I talk about this on, on college football um, a lot, is it's so simple, man. Like, you get the trenches right. You spend the capital on getting a great offensive line and a great defensive line, and that's how you get there. And that's why Philadelphia dominated most of the game. Like Nick Sariani's position that anything past the 50-yard line is four-down territory for us is because he knows in third and six his offensive line has two downs, one to get three or four yards rushing, and then you get fourth and manageable. You can execute that strategy because you have such a dominant line. And that's that was the case here is that Kansas City obviously didn't have as strong of a defensive line as Philadelphia, but they have Patrick Mahomes, right? So that's the balancing factor. Football is such a simple sport, and I see this happen all the time. Teams build their organizations looking for flash, and that's not how you win. The reason Tom Brady won as many Super Bowls and Joe Montana did is because they always had one of the two or three best offensive lines in football. I think it's not it's not sexy, but that's the truth for anything. That's truth for business, right? It's like, are you willing to do the unsexy things um, and do them really well to do, get the end goal, which is winning, bro? Yeah. And like ball placement from the quarterbacks was nuts the whole game. Yeah, like there was one that throws. Uh, I think it was there's one that Hurst did and one Mahomes did, but both to a tight end that was breaking out in uh, in a play where clearly from the quarterback position you couldn't even see the receiver when that ball was released and it's just like it came perfect just past the outstretched hands of the defender right to where the receiver could reach it you know exactly in stride and it's just like you you take that for I I think like it's easy to take that for granted in NFL football like how good the quarterbacking is in general but my God, man, like, especially after watching a season of college, like this was, this was crazy. Like the performance he's to put on. Yeah. And I think it's really important. I know the winner always gets that the headlines, but Jalen Hurts played an amazing Super Bowl. He's the first quarterback to have three rushing touchdowns in a Super Bowl game. He, if, 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 uh, if Patrick Mahomes was Superman, I mean, Jalen Hurts was Batman and just lost on a on a good day, yeah. right? Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> it's like it, it, that's what you want to see, you know, and what we expected to see. Two really strong competitors, and then also just from the strategy gamesmanship standpoint. Like I did a film review just because there was some film out there um, that I could easily access on your favorite platform of TikTok. <laughs> um, because I, I had noticed what Andy Reid was doing in game, which was like taking the same formation multiple times. They literally ran the same play four times in, in the goal to go situation. And this is how Kadarius Tony got his touchdown. But each time they recognized what the Eagles did, the Eagles then made the adjustment 
And then Andy Reid readjusted to the adjustment with the exact same play. And it's like, those are kind of the things that you say, where do, why, why does coaching matter? Why do certain things matter? It's like the in-game adjustments. And like a lot of my frustrations with coaching often is like when I don't see the adjustments being made, especially at halftime, how the best coaches are the ones that are quickly able to make the adjustments in-game. And we saw that with Andy Reid and Nick Sirianni. It's like, it was like, it was like the grandmaster playing against like the young, the young, <laughs> the young upstart genius. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's it was just you can't expect more as a as a fan of football than we got yeah. in that game. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree, bro. But one thing about the game is, uh, is something that we've talked about all year is the field turf. The NFL spent all this money getting this turf. The players had to change their cleats throughout the game. This turf clearly isn't isn't the right solution what happened well, to grass you know, let, bro what happened to grass let's just sometimes you know nature is best and <laughs> and there's no field better than grass and the nfl has the money and big time college football programs have the money uh to implement grass fields even in dome state golf can maintain it bro you can maintain it for football yeah definitely it's just it's just it's a change that needs to be made and and hopefully this this super bowl shows it um yeah but it was i mean as far as the game as football fan non-football fan i think anybody who watched it when the when the final score line is 38 35 even the casual fan got got a lot out of it yeah uh and a lot out of the game and so just looking forward to seeing this continue to happen the nfl is is the best um best product in the marketplace from a competitive standpoint um and it's it's cool to see where it's at despite all the struggles and all the issues and underlying issues that we have with coaching hires drafting and kind of those underlying situations you see progress often is forced to happen you saw uh two black quarterbacks in the in the game for the first time eric Bieniemy again the as the offensive coordinator of the chiefs it's going to be highlighted again if he doesn't get a coaching position. They already hired, <laughs> after one year, they hired the Eagles offense. The Colts hired the Eagles offensive coordinator as their head coach. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> Eric Bieniemy outcoached this guy in the in the Super Bowl. Why, why won't he get the job? But it's good to see those things highlighted um, because eventually you're forced to kind of make the adjustment. And I think organizations will we saw with D'Amico Ryan's getting hired pretty quickly with the Texans uh here just progress is is slow but hopefully that that part of it continues to happen what'd you uh what'd you think about the halftime show um based on what I was expecting I mean first of all it's just an amazing thing that Rihanna did being the first performer to perform pregnant um, I think from a, a societal cultural standpoint, that was pretty amazing. Uh, but uh, selfishly, I think it did take away from the performance that most Rihanna fans were expecting, you know, because it lacked a lot of like the flair, the energy. Super Bowl, yeah. the energy. It was just her on this kind of moving, moving thing, moving along, you know, and I think, you know, th- that was it. But like, it also was a reminder because Rihanna hasn't been around for a while and hasn't made music just like how many freaking hit records this because even though the performance was lacking the strength of the music itself 
carried the performance you know it was like the same dancers doing the same thing the whole time but the strength of the songs and that's what good music is is it cuts through whatever limitations exist from a performance standpoint the songs were so strong that it didn't even matter yeah yeah i I agree with that i i think also when she was (laughs) she was doing the dances and stuff like kind of barely doing them right and yeah. like facial expression was doing it and her hands were doing stuff, but like she, she couldn't really like move like as much. Right. Totally fine. But the, the biggest tease for me was when she did run this town followed by umbrella. And I was like, you're going to do the two songs back to back with Jay Z on them. And Jay didn't come out and I was heartbroken. Yeah. The fact that was something that stood out. She did it with no guests, yeah. you know, and it was probably, intentional i mean rihanna's big enough star that she doesn't need guests you know um and i don't recall i don't think beyonce had any features either on she didn't bring jay-z so. out when she yeah when she performed and did the weekend have any guests i felt I like remember. the weekend i don't know there was like a big switch up his was his was good though he did a really good job in his yeah yeah, it was it was it was good. I mean, but I think in the contrasting what Dr. Gray did last year with this year makes it tough. You know, I understand last year's both. was the best the best show because it was like a full on show. You know, yeah, it felt like a yeah, was more a, of a theatrical performance. You can tell he really put a lot of work into making sure the visual presentation. That's why Dr. Gray is Dr. Gray. Yeah. He really cares a lot about what the finished product looks like, and I'm just interested to know if the if she informed them that she was pregnant after they booked her or if they had known before, if she still would have been the artist that they booked. Oh, that's a good, point. you know, it's, it's, it's like a great PR narrative that they're all follow, following in line with now, but I'm curious to know if that decision would have been made if they had known that, you know, well, and isn't it, be- isn't it Jay Z who decides now? Like I thought he won this contract. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a guy that banned the NFL. And now he's like, by the way, he told everyone else to like turn their back on the NFL and, until he, until, until he, he got, got a, a position of power. It's such a Jay-Z move. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so, it's so predictable with him. <laughs> And it always works. It's so funny. Yeah, I think people just like, like highly respect him, so they'll do yeah. whatever he says. I mean, one of the interesting storylines every year, and it's becoming more public every year, but I think it's something that's valuable for us to talk about and dive into, is the actual business of the Super Bowl performance. Like everyone is so shocked when they hear that the Super Bowl performers don't get paid for their performance um, in front of you know an audience of probably what half half a million people across the world it's the number one rated tv program so there's a lot that goes into quote unquote not being paid it's also why it's artists who who need the promo that do it yeah you know like beyonce's career was falling off it was like the time to to just like put the stake in the ground say hey i'm not falling off actually and have phase yeah. two, you know, and I think Rihanna's at the same point where it's like a phase shift was required. And same with the weekend, same even back when I was a kid. Like I remember, I think it was like Sting did one, U two did one, all in the latter parts of their careers when they, you know, wanted that extra boost. And also, their the recognition was there, right? They yeah. had earned the right for that side. There's only a, so many artists who are that recognizable on a global stage, and so that's another part of it. 
that I think is important in their evaluation of this. But again, this isn't some altruistic thing that they're doing for the sake of the fans, right? It is, there is a business behind this. One, there are sync royalties for that song being played in the Super Bowl. Um, each of those songs, first of all, generated publishing royalties um, on that end for her because they were performed on live TV. So there's that element. Then there's the streaming revenue that they said, you know, it's astronomical the way that any artist who performs on the Super Bowl, um, right immediately after they have some data here, immediately after Lady Gaga took the stage, for example, there was a 1,000% increase in song and album sales immediately wow. after the performance. Wow. Um, it, yeah, it doesn't matter how, if it was one of her older songs, newer songs, it was across the board. Um, and, and that's, that's really what the value is. And then there's oftentimes, um, product placement, sponsorship deals from the clothes that she wore, um, everything like every, there are so many other elements mm. in which they generate revenue. But I guess the, the answer to this is like the age old marketing answer of like, what is the actual value of exposure? And the truth is in today's world, exposure itself is monetizable if you set up the structure behind it to monetize if you have goods and products the same thing as like having merchandise to sell at a show yeah. it's the same principle that applies to this except at the magnitude like most performers are happy if they can get a couple thousand people in front of them but the fact that you're performing to 100 million households in the u.s and, and <laughs> it's the value is clearly there yeah. the intrinsic value so it's not as like crazy of a proposition and i also think the super bowl does pay the expenses for the show as well so it's not like it's costing these artists right. they just have to show up but i think beyonce went well she spent like millions more than her budget <laughs> and it was worth it right it's like what's that to make sure that you impress a hundred million dollars yeah. 100 million people well especially when you're worth hundreds of millions at that point it's yeah. just a flex <laughs> yeah it's like i'm not, what else am i gonna spend my money 100 you know? man um um, and moving moving on from that um nfl i mean you're satisfied with the season uh overall yeah it was good it was good i think i agree with you it has been probably the best sports product this year out of everything that is being offered i think nfl front to back was the best storyline most compelling narrative nba we can talk about because it just got interesting. They made some changes that I think the uh, script writers over there felt that they were losing <laughs> some interest. <laughs> they were like, how do we take uh, some media attention away from the most covered media event of the year? <laughs> Let's just send Kevin Durant some and Kyrie Irving <laughs> to teams uh, teams across to the, across conferences. So and that we and can, uh, Russell Westbrook's out of L.A. D'Angelo Russell's oh, yeah. in the LA. Lakers. The Lakers. The Lakers had to be a part of the story. Always, line, right? always. So <laughs> that to me, uh, like that, that's highly compelling now because the Nets were maybe like on paper a contender, but they were never really a contender. There's some weird, weird stuff going on in Brooklyn. So I didn't think they were gonna ever get there, but. Now in the West, the Mavs, the Warriors, I'm not going to say the Lakers, and the Suns are all contenders. And potentially the Lakers, if they're good with D'Angelo Russell, 
that to me is like a much more interesting narrative than the NBA had all season. All season, it kind of felt like nobody was good. I mean, I honestly think that this is the most, um, in my lifetime, the biggest trade that's ever happened, considering who Kevin Durant is, Mm. level of player he is. It's like, you know, LeBron James was never traded. He made a choice to go somewhere else. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Michael Jordan was never traded. You know, these things, this caliber of player rarely happen. You know what I mean? And but he, requ- he requested it, you know? Oh, he definitely requested it. And I think, I mean, he deserved it too, right? It's like, that's not the situation he signed up for. And a lot of people are blaming the dysfunction on the players, like James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. But I think what is always frustrating, you and I never shy away from this topic, but it's a, there's an organizational responsibility that the, that the Nets have, like, failed at for a while now they had formed you know they had kevin garnett and paul pierce and joe johnson they tried it before they don't know how to construct a team hiring steve nash as the coach was a a catastrophic mistake you know um the handling of of the trade requests um of james harden trading him for ben simmons that was a terrible terrible (laughs) idea because you're seeing it now like The coach, they can't even play since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got traded because they lost so much offensive firepower. Ben Simmons is getting like 15 minutes a game because he's such an offensive liability. So that's who you essentially centerpiece to trade for James Harden for. Like, it's like a, it's error after error. The decision making is, is absurd, to be honest. But then they put all the accountability on Kyrie not taking the vaccine or Kyrie or Kevin Durant not being someone you can James Harden. And it's like, sure, the, you know what the players, yeah. the, the job of an organization when you hire somebody or you bring someone in is to understand their personality and create an environment within which that personality can thrive. So that's really it. Or you don't get those players, right? Yes, 1000%. So for you, who's, who's the contenders now? I mean, you can't. Phoenix is 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 number one for you. Number one in terms of like on paper, right? They didn't have to give up any of their superstars. They lost a few key role players. They lost a lot of key role players, but at the end of the day, you have um, a true point guard. You have (laughs) like like the best ever. Yeah, and (laughs) (laughs) you've got Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. And then you've got Aiton who can run the pick and roll. And the thing like, with Devin Booker too, right? He's been he's been double team, triple team, basically every playoffs because he's their main go to scoring option. Now with the most lethal scorer in the NBA on the court adjacent to him, there's no chance he's going to see any of the looks he saw before. So Devin Booker should be freaking celebrating right now. Yeah, and they're all mid. It's so interesting because the shift in a in a three point loving league. Yeah. You're talking about the three best mid range shooters in the game because they all can shoot threes, right? But they're deadly because they they always take the higher percentage mid range shot. To have that is uh, is pretty. Uh, I think mid range pretty- shooters in general like very outdated up until they make all their middies. Yeah, and imagine the pick, imagine the pick and roll and screen options that they have with Aiton is going to just eat. 
You know, he's yeah. going to be able to just eat in the post because all the defense is going to be pushed outward. Yeah. So and Aiden has a fantastic they, um, corner, like elbow jumper too. Yeah. 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 That, and rumor, rumor has it that uh, Russell Westbrook might be joining that roster as well. Once he gets bought out, that, um, would that be good? I mean, uh, from a second, if he's willing to be the sixth man from a, a, a second team perspective, because it'd be really good. Then you're looking at you're looking at a team that's very very top heavy, and especially to get through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Like, I think he's a value. I mean, people are hitting, shitting on Dev Russell Westbrook, but he's still averaging like seventeen eight. Yeah, <laughs> and, on on like reserve minutes, not as a starter. Re- yeah, yeah, dude. Here's so, a question for you. What would you think of LeBron if he forced a trade to Phoenix right now? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That is such a such a move. Like he is still he's still sad that they got D'Angelo Russell and not Kyrie Irving. Like he hasn't said anything positive about what they actually got. He's actually nice too. Yeah, and he's having his most efficient season. Yeah. He's a great fit. They, I, I, I've been shitting on Rob Palenka quite a bit, but considering where they were at, like <laughs> the players, he could dig out of a hole because he's been in so many. Yeah, he dug out of this hole. I mean, obviously they can't contend, but I don't think they're a championship contender. Wow! But but I think the, I, the team that has to be the most frustrated. I mean, Denver is still there. Yeah. They're, they 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 got the best chemistry. Yeah. I think the two teams that the three teams that have to be really pissed about this cuz Lakers aren't even in the playoffs. We can't talk about them <laughs> yeah. yet. The three teams that have to be pissed, John Morant with his commentary like I'm not worried about anybody in the West. <laughs> that changed very quickly. You should be really worried now. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Dallas, right? They make this trade for Kyrie Irving. But and they look like they're they're go, they're a real contender, and then the Suns go and get Kevin Durant. So now they're not the latest cup of tea. Yeah. They're still going to be Dallas. Good. Dallas could could be you know very easily the the championship winner. And the third team is the Pelicans, right? They're the rising the rising team, team. and the, <laughs> they're and now they're like, okay, we suck again. But they have, <laughs> have they no- have the Kirkland brand, Kevin Durant and Brandon Ingram. Yeah, they do. You know, they uh, Memphis and New Orleans really tried heavy to get into that, get that deal done. But I think he's a good player. Combination, he's a good player. Yeah, the I mean, the combination of draft picks and players. I mean, Brooklyn got a pretty pretty good deal out of Phoenix because the thing is, Kevin Durant's thirty four, Chris Paul's thirty five, I think. So they're going to be going into a rebuild pretty soon. Yeah. So those draft picks are going to be pretty valuable, and then. Mikel Bridges and um, and I uh, can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. They're really good players um, and rising and developing players. Mikel Bridges will be a top 50 NBA player. So they got some good value. Yeah. Um, but those three teams have to be kind of kind of like damn yeah we thought we we thought there was a changing of the guard happening and you know i think like what i appreciate about this trade is like it sucks to see a great star have to waste prime years on a bad team so yeah when that wasn't working it was like very quick kd's now with a good team we get to watch a good product from a basketball perspective and like Phoenix is definitely like a way better fit for him than a lot of teams in the style of basketball they play, like mentality wise. Like, I think there's probably a lot in common between him and CP3. Although, I don't think, I don't, 
think they've ever really like played together other than maybe team USA stuff back in the day. Yeah. But it's just a great situation for Chris Paul yeah. to have as the orchestrator. They'll figure it out quickly. Um, it's all about health, yeah. right? Can KD stay healthy? Can Chris Paul stay healthy? If those things happen, well, now he's there. got a reason to stay healthy, right? Yeah. And you know the thing—the thing that I said after this trade, you know, is all this could be just a whole bunch of hullabaloo for nothing because at the end of the day, Golden State may still have and probably still has the most complete team, top to bottom. Uh, in the NBA, so somebody's going to still have to beat them. But I do think that Western Conference Finals between Phoenix and Golden State is probably the most competitive finals at a fully healthy, fully in in sync. I know Golden State has kind of coasted through the season so far, but they still present a, the best overall team uh, in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, they're they're incredibly cohesive. I think yeah. in the playoffs last year, like one of the things that really affected them, I felt was like Draymond really folded in uh, a couple of the series for them from like the the pressure, I guess, of not being on the stat sheet, but like trying to make his impact. He talks about that in his podcast too. And I think like it's an aging superstar group. They're young guys like James Wiseman was supposed to be the guy for them. And they just had to ship him off and trade him um, for him to develop somewhere else for them to get some other talent. So I think they're not unbeatable by any means. While they're presenting and playing the best basketball right now, I think that there's teams who on paper have more talent that have a higher potential than Golden State. They just have to reach it in the next couple months. Well, I think the the adjustments, the thing that I like about Golden State is they brought back Gary Payton, who's a key. Like, they're thinking, they're not thinking about how to, they're only thinking about the finals. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And the truth was that no matter how talented James Wiseman was, he's not a fit. For this um, roster. And he does, yeah. For this roster. And so going and getting a veteran player like Gary Payton, who plays a critical role and has a critical role in, in them winning last year, I think was the smart move. Sometimes you have to, you have to do what's best for the overall team. Even in the surface, people are like they're already trading away the number two pick. I mean, didn't work out. He's not good. They're not going to be able to develop him. They recognized it, and they made a move that that helped the long term success of their team. Not to mention they got a bunch of cap relief that they need as well. So now the conversation might be, can we bring back Draymond on a more affordable deal? That conversation might actually be able to happen because I think, um, I think that it's, it's just an organization that knows what they're doing. And that's why you always, it's, you don't bet against them and they're well coached. They have the experience of cohesiveness. Steph Curry hasn't been healthy all season. You know what I mean? Like, if they get healthy and, and into the playoffs, I think they should still be the odds-on favorite. Um, and the truth is, in the Eastern Conference, I think with Brooklyn being broken up, it's a three-team race. You got Milwaukee, you got Boston, and you got Philly. I think Miami has fallen off because of Kyle Kyle Lowry finally hitting kind of that age. Great player. Uh, Have you seen anything his, about uh, Cleveland? How are they doing? Cleveland. Cleveland is there. They're really real. They're like that team in the East. That's they remind me of like where the Pelicans are at yeah. in the West. They're kind of sneaky. You know what I mean? Sneaky. They're good, sneaky, yeah. but I don't. I don't think it's to to make a Super Bowl comparison. The difference between I think 
Kansas City and the Eagles, what really played out was that Mahomes had played in, in a couple more of these games than Jalen Hurts, right? And that was like the marginal difference. And I think that that's, that's really, Cleveland is like the rising power in the East. And hopefully they'll, they'll continue to develop and get there. But, you know, they've, they had a really strong season. Then they hit, a, they hit a lull. But really, really good team, man. I mean, selfishly for us, we hope that they, they get there. Maybe, maybe at the end of the season, if, if the Lakers don't make it into the play-in and, and they don't get Kyrie and free agency, LeBron forces his way back to Cleveland. That would be, <laughs> that would be an interesting... He's only, that's <laughs> probably the only other team that he could really bounce back to, you know? Yeah, he goes there. He's like, and he can. I can see the storyline already. If Bronny comes to Ohio State, he's like, I want to be closer to my son when he's in college. <laughs> yeah, the narrative they can make the narrative make sense. Man. You know what I mean? You remember when LeBron did his first playoff stint in Cleveland after coming back from Miami, and he kept saying all season, all playoffs, like I have some extra motivation this year. Yeah, I always think about this. All that extra motivation was is that Pat Riley said, you'll never win another championship. Yeah. That's like, okay, like how is that extra motivation that stays on your <laughs> stays on your shoulder yeah, for a like, year? I mean, Le- Le- LeBron is an interesting character, right? You respect him a lot, but I don't know <laughs> if you saw the uh, the... the the, the video when they were booing him at the game, he put his crown on his own head. <laughs> Those moments don't help the people that don't like you like you are. I don't care because at the end of the day, if that's how you feel about yourself, more more power to yeah. you. But but to to do things like that and then wonder why some people don't like you, it's goofy. It's goofy for it's, sure. It's uh, it's it's interesting, but we all have kind of our personality quirks, so the end of the day like uh, one thing i appreciate about lebron breaking the record last week is is that i knew what was going to happen in that game because one thing we know about lebron is that if he wants to score 40 points yeah, he can score and when it was 36 points he was probably like i want to get this over with you know and in the post game he said that he he was going to break it because all his family had flights to catch the next day <laughs> but just imagine all the people that paid like $30,000 for a ticket to the Bucks game. <laughs> a lot of people thought he was going to break it during that game because that's where Kareem used to play. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like that just, you got to be really wealthy to be buy those tickets and be able to hold that and, and go to the anticlimactic next game <laughs> against the Bucks after half the team had been traded, too. Oh, man. <laughs> they just waited for I was thinking, LeBron to break it. They were like, all right, bet. Let's ship this. <laughs> Yo, we also got to just, before, uh, before we run out of time, we got to talk about uh, spy balloons and UFOs, all the, uh, all the unidentified objects floating through the air and the ones that the government is identifying alongside of that. Uh, interesting times. What's your take? Uh, I'm not going to take the more, more most extreme take that the aliens are coming to, to to enact Independence Day on us. I will not take that position, but it is very interesting to see um, these things happen, especially how much counterintelligence and how competitive the world landscape is. Sometimes I wonder, like, this thirst for power, if, if we didn't care, both countries, America and China, 
they have more than enough resources within their countries um, to not need to be competing with anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's interesting how this like thirst for world domination kind of plays itself out, and then also like like the chess games, like uh, the defense. One of the, the the national defense director came out and said that they adjusted kind of like the software for how they detect to kind of to get these lower flying objects. And it's also interesting that China knew that and started sending <laughs> spies in like hot air balloons. Yeah. Like it's really fascinating to see like the competition that happens, but <laughs> the funny thing and the thing that everyone cares about is when he was asked if it potentially were UFOs, he was like, we're not ruling anything out. And so that whole community has gone crazy with this. Like the aliens are coming. Have you seen the, uh, have you seen some of the videos? Uh, I've seen some of them. I've seen a lot of, a lot of UFO videos recently. It's like, I feel like the amount of UFO information that's coming out from the government, like, did you just see they were running, um, they're running, uh, from the media side, like that there's been thousands of UFOs that have been tracked and we have no idea what they are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually irrational to believe that the only people that the only planet that has life in the entire universe is us. We haven't discovered it all. There are so many planets that we don't even know about. And there could even so be s- like, like we haven't even discovered the whole world. Like there, yeah. could, there could be other people here that are just flying over. <laughs> yeah. They have a secret society that builds, builds flying objects. Yeah, you but know how much desert that, there is, bro. How much like quote unquote unexplored yeah. terrain there is on this world, bro. Like <laughs> there could be people who figured out like, Oh shit. If you get to the top of Mount Everest, you can actually build a society here and it's really comfortable. Yeah. What's, what's happening at the bottom of the grand Canyon. Yeah, who, right? You know, who knows? That's the new conspiracy theory is that the grand Canyon has a portal to africa yeah i mean the only thing that i i i have that would throw water on this is like if these are really foreign alien objects and all the science that says that they're just they've just shared technology with us i don't think that our technology would be able to shoot these guys out of the sky no way no way (laughs) no i I don't think that i don't think that they're i've never heard a story of a ufo being shot down you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's why this particular situation. Although I believe in aliens, I believe in UFOs. Again, it's the more logical position to believe that they exist versus the fact that they don't exist. Um, this story, I don't think, is aliens. Yeah, the <laughs> the balloons and stuff. Yeah, I don't think they're not getting shot down. No, no. By yeah. no, that's definitely not aliens. That's definitely people. But simultaneously. There is a ton of like UFO activity happening that if you like, I I do encourage our listeners like this is real. It's happening and it's not scary. Like, yeah, it's not scary at all. If there's a more advanced race around that hasn't killed us yet, like they're clearly not trying to. Yeah. And if they do come back and kill us, it's probably because of our behavior yeah. and how we're treating the world. Yeah. <laughs> like we can't, we can't handle their them tearing apart, yeah. tearing apart our, our ecosystem. And that's like talking about logic. Like it's the least logical to to assume that a society that has figured out how to leave their planet is going to kill another society. Because the only way to get to that point is to be collaborative and to realize you're all connected. Yeah. 
And the truth is they probably are about as worried about what's going on in, in, in our planet as we are in theirs. Like if there, if we did find out that there was like another planet, a million <laughs> light years away or whatever, how, how concerned would we be about what's going on with them every day? Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not living there. It's yeah. like, how concerned are you day to day on what's, what's going on in China in Germany or, Ger yeah. or China? If you live in America, yeah. it's the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's just different places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah exactly it's, it's good though it's good i think it's good to go through the exercise of like well if aliens did exist how would i feel and like how would i feel about people that look different than me that i judge right now you know how would i feel about other humans in general that i judge versus now introduce aliens i think it's just like a good exercise and seeing like wh like where your stigmas are here's my theory on it all uh -huh. it's more profitable to keep it unknown and have this air of uncertainty around it than it is to just be like, yeah, they exist. It's <laughs> a classic. That's so classic, V. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually the answer to a lot of things, though. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> I, I definitely think that there's probably some sort of profit motive involved. And then I would say, like, from a kind of mass consciousness perspective, I think if I was aliens, I'd be more worried about somebody pulling a machine gun on me, right? Like, we're not really that safe to be around right now. We're not tamed. <laughs> so I don't think yeah, that's we're going to have thing. alien encounters until we as a species have, like, calmed down. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure if they, to, 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 to support your point, right, if there, were, there was another planet and they were at war all the time like we are, I think we would hear it and see it. <laughs> They're probably just living there peaceful, like in a perfect ecosystem, yeah. watching us like we watch reality TV and <laughs> we're their reality TV entertainment. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> Let's see what these idiots do today. <laughs> I'd be like, why are they doing, why are they moving all of that? Don't they know they have telekinesis? <laughs> 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 oh man yeah, and on that note though it was it's been an entertaining week in sports and and outside and it's been fun because it's it hasn't been the negativity has still been there but it's been kind of fun so there's been a lot more like happy storylines which is good when yeah. we have weeks like that yeah, so we're makes better. the podcast we're laughing we're laughing a lot more on this podcast than we do on some other ones yeah so we're getting better always stay moving be you you as fly Pilot Boys out. Where the Pilot Boys at? Pilot Boys, we get on up.